So sometimes I'll use a term like reality or unfiltered reality or the unborn that I'm pointing to. And while that's true in one respect, it can be very confusing sometimes because I know that the mail slot for information, for messages, is the cognitive process, the mind itself, the thoughts, the interpretations, the beliefs. So what that sometimes does is takes the message, oh, he's talking about reality, and then compares it to other knowledge or experiences, or worst, other spiritual knowledge, other terms. Oh, when you say reality, do you mean Buddha nature? Oh, do you mean consciousness? Do you mean awareness, right? And I get that question sometimes, or that form of questions, but also I just notice sometimes in the conversations around this movement, this quote unquote topic we call awakening and realization. That's not what I'm pointing to. So I'm not trying to give terminology. I'm not trying to help someone understand something better. I know that may sound counterintuitive, but there are many places in life for understanding. And understanding is very important in many aspects of life. Understanding terms often clarifies what's being communicated to you if what's being communicated to you is conceptual. So I'm a big proponent of clear communication when it comes to giving a message to somebody. You want precision. You want to be accurate in languaging. If you're explaining to somebody how to, let's say, change the brakes on their car, you want precision of language. You want to agree on the terms you're talking about. If you say the spring behind the caliper or something like that, you really want to make sure that person knows that what you're talking about and what they're talking about are the same thing. So I'm not against precision of language and good communication and clarity and feedback and closed loop communication and so forth. All that's very important in the relative world. But when it comes to this that we're engaging here, it's actually useless. It can be counterproductive to the degree that we have identity built into our cognitive processes. But it doesn't change the nature of reality. It doesn't change what's what. It just causes a sort of distraction or a thought loop. So I say this all the time, I've said it multiple times in my book, and I don't get tired of saying it. I just know that it's the kind of thing that it's easy to forget because the processing of the mind is ongoing all the time. The tendency to revert to thought is strong. The momentum behind the tendency to revert back to thought is powerful. Also, the mechanism, or one of the mechanisms that tends to cause us to revert to thought is avoidance of certain feelings, emotions, resistance patterns, things we just would rather not look at right now, conveniently put it off till the future, which doesn't exist, so all we're really doing is putting it off again and again and again or making distance from something deeper inside of us. 
So that mechanism is there and it underlies a lot of the momentum to move attention into thought. So all of this is important to, to sort of understand, I think, earlier on, to realize plain and simply what we're talking about is just not conceptual. It's not a cognitive truth. It's not about understanding words and principles and views even. Now, in certain traditions, the emphasis on forming correct views and so forth, specifically Buddhism, um, can be strong. And it's valuable in certain aspects. It's valuable in the context of traditional Dharma with a teacher who knows how to work with you in that way without having you reify that into a conceptual truth or using it to get you stuck in your own mind. But it can get sticky very quickly because a view ultimately is a belief, ultimately. There will be a point in realization where the tendency to form views goes completely away because all views, every view will lead to an extreme of some sort rather than the middle way. So to be free from extremes, this is a bit of an aside, but to be free from extremes doesn't mean you're always in the middle between some two opposites either. It means you're free from fixation. And then you see that there is no middle, there's no outside or inside. There's no correct view or incorrect view. There's no one who can become hypnotized by any view, good or bad. So while in the historical texts of Buddhism, like the Pali Canon, there is description of view. There's also teaching that says all teachings around this topic are provisional. They're to correct mistakes or correct what they call ignorance. Seeing things through false views, seeing things through perceptual filters, seeing things through the lens of illusion. So there is some value to paradigms and views to some degree, but you really have to take those in the right context and understand they also have limitations. So then what am I really pointing at? Well, it's not a concept. It's not a view. But it's right here for you. Don't worry about me. Don't even worry about these words. It's right there. One simple way of orienting to it is to say that it's the sum total of all your experiences right now. Everything, the sensations in the body, the entirety of that sensation field, the sounds, ambient sounds of the room, the sounds that sound like the inner ear, hissing or ringing, distracting sounds, the voice sound, it's the visual experience, the colors, the shapes, the shades, the apparent distance, and then that collapses into a sort of infinite depth that's very, very close, but also everywhere at once. All of that. It's also the thought, the movement of consciousness just now. It's also the entirety of oceanic consciousness that's never perturbed by any thought. It's all of it. It's resistance to any of it as well. That impossible to find, but impossible to ignore, 
experience of resistance. It's that. So the sum total of everything, all of it right now, is what I'm pointing to. And that can also be made into a concept. So don't make it into a concept. Just notice. Even the movement of your attention between a wide experience of attention or a narrow experience of attention is also what I'm pointing to. And I'm not going to give it a label. It's any doubt you have in your mind right now. Any narrative you have in your mind about how long this is taking or how confusing it is or how peaceful you feel or nothing at all. Whatever's there or not there, it's, th it's that. But it's not subject to the category of there or not there because these are ultimately cognitive overlays. Everything, nothing, everything and nothing, neither everything nor nothing. These are cognitive overlays. That's all they are. So now what? Just as it is. So then there's sneaky little words we use, thusness, thisness, isness. Sometimes people will go, I don't like that word. I don't like isness. I don't like thusness. I don't like unfiltered reality. But the reason often provided for why they don't like it is it reminds them of a different concept. So whether you adopt concepts or you have an aversion to concepts, you're still entangled in concepts. So that entanglement itself is also just part of this. It's also the entirety of this when the dividing stops, the illusion of division stops, the divisiveness ends. It's just perhaps we could say infinitely fluid, but it's experiential, fully, non-cognitive, right now. You can't not be there. If the mind says, oh, I'm trying to discover this, that trying to discover this, that thought, that consciousness itself is this, that's it, that's it. If the mind is saying, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years and I haven't had whatever you think you're going to have, that thought itself and the feelings associated with it, by the way, the frustration, the sadness, the anger, the also the little bit of satisfaction you get, right, from being sure that it's not working for you. And that the, the belief behind it, that's like, no, I'm really sure all of it. All of that, it's just this. It doesn't point anywhere, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a problem, it's not a solution. There's no need for a problem and there's no need for a solution. Nothing needs to be rectified, balanced, refocused, learned, unlearned, woken up to. gets pretty simple. But why label, right? So what's beyond labels? What's beyond apprehending some truth? 
that's beyond the narrative of you, your entire life. Everything you know about yourself and everything you don't know about yourself. What's beyond that? What happens when we let that rest so fully that nothing moves, inside or outside? Nothing moves, inside or outside. Nothing comes, nothing goes. There's nothing to think about or figure out. It's all ashes. All those non-duality videos, books, learnings, aha moments, frustration moments, past, future, body, life, death, it's all ash. But as Tozan said in the fifth rank, everybody wants to leave the ordinary stream, but you came back to sit in the ashes. <laughs>